0: Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Gary Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb and also some death clouds, I guess, clouds of smoke.
1: Uh, less death clouds today. We are in the process of clearing out our death clouds. There's a bit of a thunderstorm going on outside, so maybe a different type of death cloud actually is a better way of putting it.
0: No, that's that's good. The, don't, don't speak ill of the thunderstorm in your time of need, you know?
1: Well, there's like... <laughs> I, I don't know that this is the case. I don't know enough about meteorology, but I, I do know there's like phenomenon where enough particulates in the air can in and of themselves cause severe thunderstorms. So like, I don't know if this thunderstorm is a consequence of the smoke or like just a natural thunderstorm that's happening alongside the smoke. Uh, that's not, really not my place to to judge, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was hoping it was just a, a natural occurrence uh and it might be fortuitous timing
1: yeah it might be that's very possible
0: but if it is just now like raining death cloud form on you then that's less good for sure
1: (laughs) just the the ash has combined into a fiery storm in the sky to just incinerate us all while we choke to death on the smog (laughs) of our hubris so uh
0: well i guess that line is a a pretty good segue into diablo 4 if you want to talk about
1: that a little bit yeah, playing a little Diablo Four. How how are you liking it? Are You enjoying yourself?
0: Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is good. I did start yeah. playing. Um, I think, I
1: think the best way to describe it is good. It's just good. Like it's not. I don't think it's fantastic, great, phenomenal. It's just like good, consistent, well made.
0: Yeah, like the, the some of the stuff is like frustrating or clunky or whatever, but the gameplay loop is very good.
1: Yeah, very satisfying
0: uh so yeah i've been I've been doing that a little bit uh we gotta carve out some time in your schedule and get a, a little sesh on the books you know
1: yeah that would be nice i think i'm mostly like waiting for the end game that's probably the best ba- at least my past diablo experience tells me that's when we should like pair up and run dungeons and get gear and stuff i don't know how far along you are uh i tend to have to play in very short spurts presently how far uh, so along are you I just I just got my horse today, okay. which I'm pretty excited about, uh, and I think I'm like level 32 or something like that.
0: Okay, I got my horse at level 38. Okay, because I I got sidetracked.
1: Yeah, you you started doing side quests and whatnot.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, there's so many like little like
1: blue. There, there are. Did you play Diablo three? No. All right. So in Diablo three, like the the meta game was you just tear ass through the story and like don't even pay any attention to what's going on. Get to the end game as soon as possible because the the leveling there is like way more efficient and you just want to get to that state as soon as possible. Cause it kind of gets rid of a lot of the nonsense and just like drops you into a good dungeon with better stuff in it to go find. And that's where you want to be. I don't think that's quite as much the case in Diablo four. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like trying to play it for optimal efficiency, but just my training in Diablo three told me to approach it that way and just move through the story. Okay. And I, I think in terms of like getting the horse as soon as possible. It's probably a good idea because that is gated behind the story.
0: Yeah. And I, I did know that I looked that up cause I, I saw that we get a horsey at some point.
1: Yeah. Cause you uh, can go check in on the barn like pretty early on. And
0: yeah. And then and it just tells you like progress the story, do this side quest or whatever. And I was like, yeah. okay, well I know this will happen at some point. And then it just, it, it was taken forever, man. I don't know. So yeah. I was like, whatever, I'll just keep doing these side quests. And, uh, yeah, I got there eventually. So I'm uh, a little bit, I'm in the 40s. I'm, you know, a little bit after that at some point, but uh, I've, I've slowed down a little bit for sure. Yep. But, you know, you, you want to tell me that I got to rush the last bit of story and, you know, then we can battle together? I'm, I'm in, dude. I'll do it.
1: Yeah, once, once I do that, then uh, we'll be ready to hit the dungeons, find ourselves some new gear, and uh, then do that. Till the end of time, yeah, roughly a million world. times. You, you just keep doing it. it, never stops.
0: Unless, unless you want to start a, a new class, which I kind of do, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not pleased with my class, I think. What are yeah, you? It's fine. I, I'm a druid, I was okay. very drawn to being a werebear, like, I just felt natural. Um, I
0: mean, it, it looks good. I, yeah, I generally do not like druid, uh, from like you know, Hearthstone or whatever. Yep, it's like, yeah, hey, this doesn't really feel like a thing that I want to be doing or whatever, but uh, I don't know. Watching people play, it looked kind of fun going around smashing stuff.
1: Yeah, the, the Smash vibe is good. I, I, I just usually play like a, a Sorcerer type deal and I strayed from that and now I have seen videos of Sorcerers and I'm like, oh, I want to do that stuff. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get there at some point, I'm sure.
0: Right on. Uh, was that it? I feel like I was going to talk about something else, but maybe it was just Death Clouds and Diablo.
1: Maybe. I'm playing some Street Fighter as well. Okay, Street how's Fighter that go? It, it's good. I, I think it's actually like uh, one of the most exciting fighting games made in a very long time. I think fighting games have been sort of stagnant for a little while now, um, and there's kind of like a lull. Feels like the last like great. Well, I don't know. Guilty Gear had its had its ups and downs. I think to me, the last great fighting game released was Tekken Seven, which is quite a ways back now. Um, So I think having Street Fighter 6 be legitimately great is pretty exciting. Awesome. And I'm a silver Street Fighter. I feel pretty good about that for being an old man. I I just watch videos like (laughs) people post like this. I I saw one on Twitter today and someone's like, this is the Street Fighter experience if you're over 30 years old. And it's just getting comboed the entire time and dying. Nice. uh, Yeah. I I tend to win more than I lose and I'm I'm slowly climbing the ladder. So I, I feel pretty good about where I'm at.
0: Excellent. Dude, good job.
1: Thanks. Still got it.
0: Yeah. Uh, do, do you start at
1: bronze? Uh, Lower than that, I think. There's like an iron or something. Nice. Okay. Below that. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes like rookie iron, bronze, silver. Gotcha.
0: All right. And I I do feel like there's something else, but, you know, it is it is what it is. It's too bad. I guess we'll talk did about that. Did you want
1: to talk about the new Light Illusionist and the new Shadow Runeblade, or is that not on the agenda?
0: The what? What?
1: The new Light Illusionist and the new Shadow Blade that just got previewed today.
0: I, I don't know what those are. Oh, okay.
1: Then you probably don't want to talk about it.
0: Are those magic cards?
1: No, they're flesh and blood cards. Oh. Heroes. Exciting heroes. Replacements for heroes that living legend did out of the game.
0: I was like, uh, are those Lord of the Rings cards? <laughs> like, I, they, I no they could idea. be.
1: Nobody would ever know.
0: Uh, do you know there
1: are people that would know? I I went and looked at the Lord of the Rings set, by the way, to see if there was like a show we could do there. If there, because I talked about forcing you to do a top ten, and I like started putting together my top ten. I got like two cards that were maybe's, and that was it. And I'm like, all right, let's just not do this. It's not very exciting. That is
0: that is great news to me.
1: Yeah, I love that. I Uh, I don't understand why it's not a standard legal set, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess especially if they're going to do like three years of standard, but. Those decisions were certainly made independent. Made sure, a while you ago.
1: Know. Yeah, like to me, the reason you make that decision is because you're trying to preserve like purity of standard or something and trying to keep in nah. a space where you keep nah. out the universe beyond stuff. But then you think about it and there's the Dungeons and Dragons set. And also what a letdown the Dungeons and Dragons set now is in retrospect. I mean, I, f- I found it disappointing at the time. And I think when I was still, writing articles I actually wrote. It was my most disappointing magic release of the year. Um, But especially seeing like the level of care and creativity and detail that was put into this Lord of the Rings set, man, does that Dungeons and Dragons set feel like a miss? And I just wish like a lot of these cards would be interesting in the standard context. They are not interesting in the modern context whatsoever. Yeah. And I I don't understand why they were gated so hard behind uh, that and I just wish this was the standard legal set as opposed to the Dungeons and Dragons one.
0: I mean, have I, have I told you about the D and D set? I don't think so. Remind me to tell you when we're done recording.
1: Oh, uh, this, is, this is not podcast uh, information.
0: Not, not today. Maybe okay. someday, you know, <laughs>
1: when, when we're on our way out the door. Yeah. Okay.
0: Someday. All right. I'm, I'm like scrolling through this uh, Lord of the Rings set. And I see a saga that has six chapters. That's all the same chapter. Uh, I I ain't reading that, though, so I'm closing that tab. And we can talk about Pioneer.
1: Yeah, Pioneer RC is going on. And I will tell you, Gerald, in what starts to seem like exciting news, but actually ends up not being exciting or interesting at all, uh, there's a Pioneer tournament near me tomorrow. And I started looking at deck options and looking through my cards. And then I realized just anything I wanted to play. I was missing too much stuff. I don't know where to get cards on short notice, and I gave up. But I almost, again, almost played a Pioneer RCQ. Don't you have friends? No. In fact, you know, no, I you, really want to see the new- People that you know, though. No, no, nobody likes me. I, I really wanted to see the new Spider-Man movie, and I'm like pretty excited.
0: Well, that uh, is that is just that smart. In. I want to
1: see that too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, who could I get? And I want to go during the day. I don't like going to crowded theaters, and you know, people work during the day, and I have a weird schedule, so- do that. And I'm like, well, what kind of friends do I have who would go to see Spider-Man with me? And I'm like, oh, none. I'm like, okay. Well, my mom's retired. Maybe she'll go see Spider-Man with me. And I'm like, hey, mom, do you want to <laughs> go see Spider-Man today? And she's like, nah, I have plans. So my mom shut me down <laughs> Can to go see spider By your mom. Yeah. So that tells you the state of my uh, friendships and how readily available I have various um, magic cards.
0: Okay, here's, here's me. I'm going to shoot my shot. Okay. There is... An SCG in Baltimore this weekend. Yeah. If you come, uh, I'm oh, current now. Uh Brian, if, if <laughs> oh, you no. come, I'm my plan currently is to stay in a hotel room by myself because I have no friends. Okay. And uh so you can, you know, I've I've crashed with you for free. Yeah. A lot of times at flesh and blood events. And I think the logic there is like, well, you y'all have the room anyway. Yeah. Right. I mean so, it
1: wouldn't matter. You you're always welcome to crash with me. Like if you were coming to something I knew you didn't really want to be at, I wouldn't like charge you a rental fee to come hang out with me.
0: Well, uh, okay. So I'm the same goes here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this room by myself no matter what. Yeah. So if if you wanna come, uh you know, you're you're free to stay with me and we can go see Spider-Man. I will happily yeah. skip X days of magic, whether it's like all three of them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will with say
1: with a bit more notice, maybe I could have made this work. I, it's it's not going to work for this weekend.
0: Man, where to, where to get cards on short notice, where to get friends on short notice. We just If
1: striking
0: only there was like out. an Uber for these
1: things, you know? Yeah, striking out left and right.
0: Uh, story of our lives. Anyway, uh, Pioneer. Wait, why
1: are, why are you going to the Magic Tournament? Uh, good question. Okay. No, a, you, but, don't, you don't. you don't have to have an answer I understand I do these things all the time
0: one of my friends is coming up and i I sort of figured that this would be the case where you'd like come up with other people or whatever and, and have their own place um uh, mm. but he's he's even staying with like uh I think he said his friend's sister you know something along on um, along those lines
1: uh, I see so you'll know someone there you just don't have someone to crash with yeah yeah that makes sense.
0: So, uh, definitely do not feel comfortable being like, Hey, can I stay at this stranger's house or whatever, you know?
1: Right. Which is something we absolutely would have done back in the day. In fact, one of the first few times we ever hung out was at someone who was probably a stranger to your, your house, I think at, at Maddie Jem's house. Did you know Maddie Jem before you stayed there? Um, uh, I mean, not well. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I just remember there was like 14 of us staying there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's stuff like that did happen a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Too too old for that shit now, man.
1: I don't know. Oh, agree. agree. I need a quiet, comfortable, dark place.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not upset about staying by myself. Oh, know? I'm sure.
1: I'm sure I do that. Uh, in fact, almost any time I'm working now, I, I make it a point that I. Uh, want to stay by myself or with a very, very select group of people who I know, like, I don't have to interact with or amuse in any way whatsoever. I can just like shut down at the end of the day because it's so draining to be around that many people all day. Yep. All
0: right. Five regional championships.
1: Five champions.
0: I mean, I guess we're 10
1: ish invites to worlds. We're not exactly sure
0: it either way it's too many
1: uh, um, I don't, I don't, i'm not gonna say that i just think it's it's the tournament has changed like i think yeah. continuing to call it worlds is i mean whatever all this stuff has changed so it, it doesn't really matter to me yeah no, i mean fun.
0: worlds used to be a, a 400 player tournament correctly so Correct. uh the fact that it went down to like 32 did change it and uh yeah it's just it's not the same as it was and just need to change our expectations a little bit, which is fine. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, uh, five regional championships happening on the same weekends. We have a Frank Carson tweet and an accompanying article. Uh, so, you know, shout outs to Frank for doing all the hard work and for basically making our podcast for us.
1: Yeah. As he always does around these things, just rely on what Frank says and then, uh, talk through it and good stuff to talk through here. Kind of, I don't know, I I didn't find these results super surprising with the exception of a couple outliers, uh, mostly on the positive side, but kind of what I expected for a lot of the rest of the format, honestly.
0: Yeah, uh, not, not too shocking overall, I guess, but definitely some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. So, the deck with the best win rate... I believe this is part of the surprising part of things because, uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't have called this, you wouldn't have called this, but the highest win rate at 62.5% with basically about 100 matches, so like a pretty decent sample size. Decent sample size,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, Azorius Lotus Field. and yeah. I saw this list from the the Canadian RC and I was like, this actually looks pretty good for, for what fine. the format is now.
1: Yeah, it really does look fine. I was like waiting to go through it and be like, well, I hate this card, hate this card, garbage. What are we doing here? And then I'm like, no, I think this is actually completely fine. And a, a lot of like when we talk about control in these like more expansive formats, be it Pioneer or Modern, we talk about just like that power spike and how fair these decks tend to play and how it doesn't line up with the rest of the format. And I would say that about like Pioneer Zorius Control, which I think is completely medium. Like you could register it, it. I could register it just because I have a comfort level with that style of deck. I don't think I'd be making a heinous decision, but I'm very convinced I'm not making the best decision. But something like this Zorius Lotus Field deck, which relies on strict proctor as well as discontinuity, to really up the stage of the game you're playing on, I think it's really exciting. Like it just adds another wrinkle to what you are capable of and lets you play on power scale uh, with the other decks in the format. And I'm I'm kind of a believer here. Like I I think some things would have to change pretty dramatically about the format before this gets like invalidated entirely. I, I expect what will happen is this deck gets picked up in large part after this RC. It has a really, really poor performance for a couple of weeks. Like the next time we get to look at our little cubes, it's going to have like a 45% win rate Is everyone yeah. rushes to pick it up as the hot new thing. But I think people who stick with this archetype continue to refine it, continue to think about how we're uh, occupying those removal slots, what the card draw is, what small amount of counter magic is actually going to make the cut, what kind of like top ends you want, be it Dream Trawler, Finale of Revelation stuff, getting all of that right on a week to week basis is pretty exciting for this deck. And uh, I, I think we might have seen a metagame evolution here and we get a castle of Antris in there. So, you know, the deck is just banging all over the
0: place. You know, I was going to mention that. So uh, this, this deck has 26 land and two drawy disruptions. And then, yeah, the, the core that you mentioned, like strict proctor, discontinuity, not messing around eight cards that, uh, Turn off the downside of Lotus Field, and then also three thespian stages too. Yeah, and then the the rest of the deck is basically just like card drawing sweepers and Planeswalkers.
1: That's, and that's it. it. Pretty simple, but doing that ahead of curve is a big deal. And I also I just love how discontinuity bridges this plan so well. And I know this isn't the first time we've seen this, but this does look like the best shell I've seen for it. You get the two mana Stifle effect, go ahead and get your Lotus Field into play. But once you have a Lotus Field this is a real card. Like this can do some damage to your opponent's plants, especially the way the format is set up right now. Like this can just be a KO against a lot of folks out there. And yep. I think that's a really, really exciting place for this deck to be.
0: Yeah. This, this list looks very, very good to me. And I, I'm not surprised to see like one copy of it doing well. Uh, But the best win rate overall with like a big sample size, like that is kind of surprising. I'm, I am sort of surprised that this deck had as many uh, people on board with it as it did. But uh, those people are all pretty smart, apparently.
1: Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, this probably represents, what, like seven... uh, We'll say some of them probably didn't make Day 2s. So so maybe we're looking at like nine or ten players for this sample size that were presented here. Yeah. And across five tournaments, nine or ten players putting up these kind of results. And the results, honestly... Like a lot of times you see a deck like this and you're like oh maybe it's preying on the softer part of the field but you look about across like the core matchups that this deck was playing did really really well like very impressive against mono green devotion very solid against ractos mid-range which uh, everyone might be solid against ractos mid-range but in general i just like the matchup spread a lot and it makes sense when you think about the cards that are in this deck
0: also 5-0 against boros convoke which was kind of like the hotness coming into the weekend, I guess. But
1: yeah, I I was always skeptical about that. And we'll we'll get there eventually. Yeah.
0: Uh so I like this and I agree with you. This is this is just now a, a player in the metagame, I
1: think. That's cool. It's cool to see things like that change on a weekend. It makes it feel uh like this stuff is still having very large impact. And I, I think even the next two decks on here, not that they're new things, but I think their position uh on this chart are a little surprising and they should inform what's going on in the metagame going forward.
0: Yep. So second best win rate goes to Rakdos Sacrifice, uh roughly five hundred, like just shy of five hundred matches, fifty-nine point one percent win rate. Uh like Azuri's Lotus Field went twelve and eight against Rakdos mid-range. This deck went sixty and twenty-eight.
1: Yeah, sixty-eight uh, percent win rate. And yeah. that's just a trouncing. And Look, every time we like do these deck reviews, you and I kind of sing the praises of Rakdos Sacrifice while glossing over Rakdos Midrange. And I do think there's a reason for that. Like the endgame states this deck gets to feel more powerful to me. Uh, The level of consistency when you're loaded with one drops and all these kind of redundant engines feels very powerful to me. And then you look at some of the matchups this deck got, like being 68% in the quote-unquote mirror. And then there's also a 91% matchup against Mono White Humans, which was a fairly well-represented deck. Almost 1,000 matches of Mono White Humans played over the course of these five events. So that's a good number of players for sure. Uh, If you can take a 91% matchup against a reasonably highly played deck, it's a real good spot to be in.
0: Yeah, and Decent against Convoke, 60% there. Uh, But a coin flip against Devotion, and then slightly better than favorable win rates against Izzy Creativity and Azorius Control, both of which I'm like kind of surprised by, actually. And then 45% against Grease Fang, which is not surprising.
1: I think the, the Sacrifice decks have gotten much better tools for playing a bit of a long game against uh, things like... Uh, Azorius Control and...
0: Like, yes, but it's it's all small ball stuff, you know? Like, you can never run out of things to do, but eventually they're, they are going to start dropping, like, Teferis on you that you can't
1: really deal with. For sure. For sure. I, I just think, like, I don't know. Your your deck is just naturally bigger now. Like, things like Fable of the Mirror Breaker make it naturally bigger. You have real threats, and then you go to sideboarding. You get things like your Obnixilus, where you get a little bit stickier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, after, after sideboard, like, things seem pretty decent. They
1: tighten up, yeah. I mean, you're playing the, the 4 sees 2 Duress package, so you are disruptive. You're able to take those uh, key pieces of interactions on key turns. And with the shift to Unlucky Witness, you're just seeing more of your deck, right? And I, I think, like, I don't know. I, again, this is another card every time we see it in the list, I kind of get excited. And I I just think this card is phenomenal. Like, yeah, it's busted exactly card. what this archetype was missing.
0: Absolutely busted card. Uh, third place deck, Azoria Spirits, 57%, uh, 600-ish matches. Uh, 48% against Rakdos, 61% against Devotion. That that number is lower than I'm happy with. Uh, pretty close to Evening against Creativity and blue Eye Control, 88% against Grease Fang. There it is. That's a good win rate. Uh, 45% against Humans, 44% against Convoke.
1: Yeah, so I think you just don't want to play the other creature decks, right? Like that's that's yeah. what's going on here is you're, you're punished pretty hard against creature decks. You're good against combo decks and uh, nice read on the format to the folks who brought Azuria Spirits, especially in the face of things like, oh, Boros Convoke is going to be everywhere uh, because not a good matchup, I think. I, I mean, you can find tricks and you can sideboard around it and, and maybe you make it okay, but it's certainly not what you want to play against. And uh, you had to kind of make the read that all this Hogak talk was nonsense. And I think these players mostly did that. So good for them.
0: <laughs> Literally Hogak. Literally. 47% win rate.
1: Uh, it's just something needs to be banned. It's it's just, it, it needs to happen, Gerald. It's irresponsible not to.
0: Uh, fourth place, another surprising one. Selesnya Angels, uh, 54% win rate, a little over 100 matches. Bad against Devotion and Blue-Eyed Control, Slight Dog, the Creativity, Even-ish against Grease Fang, but only two matches, and then good against Humans, Rectos Mid, and Convoke.
1: Yeah, I think this is probably the other side of the Azuria Spirit's coin. (laughs) Like, if you just want to beat up on other creature decks, here's your way to do it. Not a lot of disruption, not a lot of... Uh, staying power so you struggle against your control matchups but any kind of mid-range-ish creature based stuff you just steal their lunch money
0: also your clock is just not that good too
1: yep that's true so it's hard to just race combo yeah
0: and then model blue spirits 54% with about 100 matches uh, how does this compare to Azorius
1: a little bit worse against Rakdos. Yeah, I feel like the sample size is probably too hard to make a comparison. It is. I, I bet they're pretty close in terms of matchup percentages. I just I I bet Azurish just picks up like a point or two across most matchups. Uh,
0: yeah. So other than like the Rakdos being like ten percent worse, the rest are the rest of the numbers are all pretty similar, honestly.
1: And I, I think that Rakdos number could even out with a larger sample size where they look pretty similar. I, I think it's one of those things where that there is nothing wrong with Mono Blue Spirits. I just think it's a little bit invalidated by Azuri Spirits.
0: Yeah, that is probably true, but I, if like if I was ever going to play Spirits, it would be because I thought that Mono Blue is good.
1: Okay, I, I understand where that's coming from.
0: Like, I would much rather do like Curious Obsession stuff than I don't know Spell Queller stuff. You know that's yeah. Seems... I mean some of these
1: Azorius decks are doing both. We should note uh, particularly uh, I I think the the winner of the Canadian tournament was playing Curious Obsession and Spell Queller. So yeah, I, 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 I don't think like you can that. just do both.
0: I don't like that. Okay. I I don't want clunky cards in my Curious Obsession deck. You know.
1: Yeah, I understand. You just want to curve out. Yeah, it looks like as as far as white cards go, uh, we are only looking at Spellqueller and a Skyclave Apparition in the main deck.
0: Okay, that's not bad. And then,
1: and then we go portable whole Wedding Announcement, Invasion of Gobicon, and Catilda. Uh, yeah, actually, the entire the entire sideboard is white cards, which makes so, sense. So, yeah, now, <laughs>
0: the the yep. mono blue cards are not that good. So yep. uh,
1: yeah. Now you think about it, and you're like, oh, okay. Now I understand what we're doing here. You get to. Sure up a bunch of matchups in your game two and three, you're still getting similar matchup spreads in game one. I, I think this is pretty smart, actually. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, sixth place, formerly literally Hogak is Monogreen Devotion, Uh, 53.8%. Shit ton of matches played as expected. Uh, 63% against Rakdos, 59% against Creativity, 53% against Azori's Control. 52 against greasefang, 37 against humans and 55 against convoke.
1: Yeah, I man I I just think this deck has continued to be really good. Like nothing has really changed. The the humans matchup being bad is quite interesting to me. Uh it does point a way forward where like mono green devotion is the best thing to be doing uh and and humans is a solid deck like a pretty impressive performance overall when you take away that Rakdos Sacrifice thing. And I think when Rakdos Sacrifice becomes more popular, that means there's less humans, which should both happen, which means there's more space for mono green Devotion at the top of the metagame. I think this deck is going absolutely nowhere and is still like the biggest threat to win your RCQ if you were playing one this weekend.
0: I feel like we used to go through these cycles where folks would hyper-focus on... Devotion or Rakdos or Lotus Field, like trying to make sure that they beat those archetypes. And this weekend seemed like folks were just kind of all over the place. And all all the decks, I don't know, just sort of got a, a chance to do their thing, you know? Like we've definitely seen worse win rates for devotion than fifty four percent. Oh, right? for Like sure. if people want to beat the deck, they can absolutely beat the
1: deck. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of people were giving a lot of sideboard slots to literally Hogak, so when yeah. a deck like that shows up, there you, you have go. to account for it in many ways, and that makes room for the most consistent, most brutal, ruthless deck you can really play. And I, I still think that title is claimed by Mono Green Devotion.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, the deck under that is Mono White Humans. Uh, talked a, a decent amount about Decks that were just like beating up on it kind of mercilessly, but still held a 52.5% win rate. Yeah. Uh, Slight Dog Teractos, 45%. That's not bad. 63 against Devo, 61 against Creativity, uh, 57 against Blue Eye Control, 41% against Grease Fang, and 51% against Convoke.
1: Yeah, I think this deck is... It was fine for this weekend. I think it's less fine going forward. I I just think like there's a lot of truth to Rakdos Sacrifice's performance here. I think some, although not all, because people are just kind of stubborn about these mid-range decks. I think some people will start to abandon Rakdos mid-range for Rakdos Sacrifice. I expect that spread of Rakdos decks is going to be closer to like 60-40 next go around, as opposed to here where it was probably like 90-10. And if you get closer to 60-40, I do not want to be the person playing mono-white humans. That matchup just seems atrocious if you have to face Rakdos' Sacrifice. I'll also point out, too, that, like, maybe, maybe this deck caught a little bit of a splash hate because of a more creature-centric metagame yeah. and to focus on Boros Convoke. And if that's true and this deck was catching splash hate and still putting up 52.5% win rate, well, then this deck is just good. That's right. a very, very strong spot to be. Um, So if that is the case and Rakdos Sacrifice doesn't come up and take a huge percentage of the metagame, I think this is still a fine choice. For at least a couple weeks, though, I'd be hesitant here, and I, I really want to be on the Rakdos Sacrifice side of things.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the easiest way to beat Sacrifice is to just do, like, go big stuff, you know, yeah. like the, the Blue White Lotus Field deck. Yep.
1: Yeah, kind of ignore them.
0: Uh next deck is normal Azorius control, fifty one point one percent win rates. Uh generally don't like this. Like we kind of you know talked about the ability to power spike slightly early, and especially when there are things like uh Boros Convoke in the format, you sort of need the ability to do that, and like sometimes just like a, a turn four sweeper is that against them. Just gives yeah. you like a lot of breathing room back, and granted uh, there were some innovations. Like, there's a blue-white list from Abe Corrigan that is urian, so I, I don't like it all that much because uh, of, like, the added inconsistencies or whatever, but for temporary lockdown for Boros and yeah. uh, also two copies of Rewind. And I actually do like the Rewinds. I think that that is a good change.
1: Hmm. That's interesting.
0: Because it, it is, like, another power spiky thing, right? You know, it's like you get to do your counterspell and either like deluge or or wandering emperor or whatever on the same turn.
1: No, it's a, that is a big swing for sure. So
0: I don't know if you're interested in normal blue, white control. I think the Abe's Abe's list is a good place to start. And I I saw a few other people playing like rewind in this deck too. So I don't think It's a
1: a very cool pickup. I, I still think maybe do your due diligence on Azorius Lotus Field, if this is really the style you want to play. Although I know
0: Definitely agree.
1: Azorius control players will not listen to that advice. So I'll no. just save it. No. Uh,
0: but that's okay. You know. Yep. Oh uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of 50% decks here. Drool vehicles, Lotus One Field. two of
1: the the five RCQs captured in here, by the way. So I, you know, I, I don't take a lot away from just what wins the event. I think that doesn't teach you all that much, but Worth Noting, yeah, no,
0: that's fair. Uh, so Groove Vehicles, Lotus Field, Enigmatic Fires, Demir Rogues, and then Abzan Grease Fang at 49%, like just shy of 50. So, yeah, some coin flippy decks. Uh, the Fires deck, I kind of want to talk about because uh, Raf's deck looks very good.
1: Yeah, I think this deck has a real purpose, and it's shown. In it's 65% win rate against Rakdos Midrange. And Rakdos Midrange was the most played deck by like a a decent margin. So this was not a bad choice, I think, for this weekend. I I just think you have to be very aware of the type of field you are going into. If I was playing a local RCQ, I would not play this deck. I, I don't think the field congeals as much towards Rakdos Midrange in the smaller fields. This is more about people who think they have an edge just playing long, grindy, consistent games and that puts them on Rakdos mid-range nat- naturally I don't think that's going to be as true at your RCQ scene
0: yeah I, I think that that's fair but like the deck also does kind of unfair things like you do have that, sp- that power spike capability and you're doing it with a strategy that is sort of hard to interact with the it downside the downside it is that be. you're just like a little bit too slow right
1: yeah. Uh, a lot of it depends on how sideboards are being built. I think that's what you really have to check in with. And I, I think to the same point, like there is predictability in this field. And I expect sideboards were probably leaning away from things like Enigmatic Fires. I think they were trying to account for things like Boros convoke uh, and for things like Rakdos Midrange more than they were just random weird stuff. And again, I think that changes... Uh, at your RCQ level, especially among successful RCQ players. They're going to be built to be a little wider uh, because they can leverage skill edges much more effectively.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely agree with all that. But I, I said this uh, about this deck a while ago. It's just like something nice to have kind of in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Uh, and I, I still feel that way. Still, still think it's pretty good. Um, curious... How it does against Sacrifice, I would imagine it's quite good.
1: Should be. It should be fine.
0: So, assuming things like that, you know, assuming things shift in that direction, uh, could also be another viable option, but also probably not very good into a field full of, like, Lotus Field Farewell decks. So, Mm -hmm. depending on how things shake out, it, it might end up being worse in the coming weeks than... Just something like the Lotus Field deck. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it'll be worth keeping an eye on for sure.
0: Uh, Anything else in this like scrum of of coin flip decks that you like?
1: No, Uh, I, I couldn't talk myself into any of these short of Lotus Field, which I think is fine. And like, again, the worst matchup presented here, Mono White Humans. So Mono White Humans finding itself preying on Lotus Field, Mono Green Devotion extremely well, kind of suffering everywhere else. If you think mono white humans is going to trend down, you can play some lotus field, get some decent matchups. I I think that's totally fine. Yeah. I, I still I do think like lotus that. field is fine. I like that plan. Uh I will say though, one other deck that gives me pause in that plan. Spirits is not a good matchup. You do not want to no, play against that deck. No, and, that's definitely true. Uh, I'm I'm kind
0: of curious how the Azorius lotus field versus the combo one is. Because
1: they, they are yeah. light
0: on interaction.
1: I was thinking about that. I, I think dis, discontinuity could be a real problem if you commit too many resources. I, th- I yeah. think it's a matchup you're going to have to get yourself very familiar with.
0: But that's and it. And it's understand. like they, they need one of those cards to to be an enabler early. Yes. So if discontinuity is the only one that they draw, then they're like down a copy, right? But if, Yeah, if and if they, they have, have
1: to use it in that spot.
0: If they have Proctor in the Lotus Field and then they just have that up the entire game. And they're just chaining, like, deluges and stuff. Like, yeah, you you don't have a whole lot you can do in game one, at least.
1: Right. And then yeah, game, game
0: two, you're both trying to, like, thought distortion each other or whatever. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. Things get very silly at that point.
0: Uh, Grease Fang. Just mono coin flips, it looks like.
1: Yeah. Beating up on Boros Convoke. But uh, as we're about to see, don't worry too much about that,
0: I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we have Ragnarok's mid-range, 48%. Classic.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: 2,500 matches. So I think that number is pretty solid.
1: I agree. And that feels about where this belongs. I think like when this is not the focal point of the format, it's like a very solid 51, 52% deck. I think it is unquestionably the focal point right now, especially at events like this. And the thing that's really brutal about this deck for me is that Mono green matchup, thirty seven percent, and you know Ractos players, I think, have been on the copium for a while about that matchup. I I do not want to play that on the Rakdos side ever. It's not pleasant, and it's not going to get any better.
0: Ractos players in copium together? What do, What do you mean?
1: Yeah, and then there's understand. the then there's the Ractos mirror that we also have to talk about. The Ractos sacrifice matchup, like if if that is taking percentages. This deck gets a lot, lot worse. Like you just don't have all that much to beat up on. Uh, very good is it creativity record? And we'll get to is it creativity as well in a while? It's gonna be a bit until we get to talk about that. We need to get way down the chart to talk about is it creativity?
0: Well, so Rakdos was supposed to be the thing that was like beating up on the creature decks, right? Yeah. And it's still only fifty-five percent against humans. It is yep. pretty bad into devotion. Uh, which kind of is and isn't a creature deck.
1: Yeah, Class- I, I would not classify it as a creature deck for purposes of, like, this discussion, but...
0: Yes, but it, uh, at the same time, it's like, that's kind of what you need to load your deck up on is, like, fatal pushes and extinction events, mm-hmm. you know, in order to beat them. So to the way the Rakdos yeah. approaches it is like a creature deck.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: But then Rakdos is also bad into Boros Convoke, uh you know, not horrible. It's forty-four percent, but like that is well, supposed to be the, the thing that
1: you're good at. It's the only good matchup Boros Convoke has. They don't beat anything else. So when that's the case, then uh it, it doesn't really look very good for you as the Rakdos player, where you just get dumpstered by this deck that can't beat anything. Like you you are not a good anti-creature deck at this point. You're just not. You're not you're not good against anything except kind of like creature-based combo but yeah. only very specific versions of it.
0: Right. That, that's basically what I was getting at where it's like, well, if you can't beat Boros Convoke and granted, maybe people just stop playing the deck. Uh, so maybe you just don't even have to worry about it, but it's like, you know, maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board. You know, yeah. like we, we were at a point where maybe Thoughtsy's fable pile of random cards was good in the format. And, the format looks dramatically different now than it did back then. Yep. Right. So maybe, uh, maybe try something else.
1: Uh, I think people did, and that's why we saw the Racto Sacrifice decks. I, I think that was going back to the drawing board. So.
0: And yeah, no, that's good. That's good and fair, and I appreciate that because this is more of a metagame shift than we have seen maybe in any of the previous weeks of Pioneer results. So. I think so. Yeah. This is all great. I I do appreciate what is going on here.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh,
0: Another 48%er Rona combo. Uh, Honestly, that's higher than I thought, but Rona also, it's, you know, Rakdos is the 50 50 deck. Rona is like the 70 30 deck. Like they only have 70 30
1: matchups. Yeah, very polarized matchups. And I, I still have the sense this deck is not figured out. I think it probably was not ready for this tournament. That's also reflected in the sample size here. This was uh, one of the least represented decks on this chart and uh, probably appropriately so, but I'm not done with this combo yet. I I still think there's something there. I still think there's stuff to figure out, but I I do not think it was ready for this tournament.
0: Now, here's my pitch for Rona Combo, is that it has an unbelievably powerful potential turn three kill. And a lot of its combo pieces are blue cards that help you filter through things. Yeah. You just need to figure out the rest. Yes. And it turns out that that part is tough. But, like, you have the basis for uh, a a thing that seems, you know, like, inverter-esque, right?
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And I don't necessarily think that, you know, people just haven't like figured out the right build or whatever. I think the the pieces just don't really exist in the format, but maybe given maybe. enough time, we're going to get there.
1: Yeah. That that's a fair way of looking at it.
0: But yeah. The, the ascendancy one looked solid. It looked like a, a good version of that. Um, At, at least as far as the things that you can do currently, but yeah. still not a thing that I'd be super happy registering. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, slightly below that we have Neoform Atraxa at 47.9. This I, I feel similarly about this deck where it's like pretty close, does some powerful stuff, again, has a lot of 70 30 matchups, but is just like a little bit off.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things like one of the knocks against Pioneer is that it is presented as a 70 30 format. And that's true when you opt into that and you actually don't have to opt into that anymore like there are options that allow you to play reasonable games reasonable matchup spreads against most people and they don't have to be actively like bad against some stuff the way Rakdos mid-range is there, there's just good solid consistent decks out there that you can choose to play again the first one that comes to mind is mono green devotion you don't have to do this kind of toss-up thing you can just have game against everyone win games by beating down sometimes that's Completely allowed, completely fair. And I I really want to put Rakdos Sacrifice in that same category as well, where I think you are going to play some tough games, but especially after Sideboard, you have tools to play against everyone. And I don't think you need to opt into these 70-30s anymore.
0: Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, then finally, like 20th deck down the list, we have Boros Convoke with uh, 600 matches, 47.7% win rate. Honestly, that's that's not a terrible win rate for a deck that is still pretty highly untuned mm-hmm. and like pretty new, but uh, fifty six percent against Rakdos, forty five percent against Devotion, fifty four against Creativity, thirty three against Blue Eye Control, thirty two against Greasefang, forty nine against Humans.
1: Linear deck that just puts bodies out there will always look impressive when you're gold fishing. Yes and then it has to stand up against the format. And it'll also look impressive the first few times you play it against somebody who has no idea what's going on. The problem is when people know what's going on, when it's going to be played in 600 matches and people account for it, it's going to be very hard for this deck to succeed in this format. I think it's an option. I think it's fine. I think it's going to settle into being a tier 2.5 deck when all is said and done, at least with the current pieces right now needs to pick up some elements of just like like the staying power is good. I, I think the this the disruptive elements just aren't there. And you can do very similar clocks with either uh, extreme staying power or a slight bit of disruption. Like thinking about something like mono white humans, which does actually get that disruptive edge and the clock isn't that far off. Like it's it's close to what Boris Convoke does. Yeah. It's just more enticing to me.
0: Yeah, I, I would say either slightly faster, uh, like get a new print or something that is a little bit more disruptive that also somehow fills the theme, which seems like yeah. uh, a taller ask.
1: Yeah, some kind of like disruptive one drop is what you're looking for, really. because so Then you're just putting something on the field for your Convoke stuff and you're able to mess up what your opponent is doing. But there's a reason we don't see a lot of disruptive one drops. So I am right. not hold my breath for that.
0: Yeah, me either. So... It is looking like you need something to be a little bit faster which is uh I mean at this point I don't even know like I, I would look towards maybe something that just like makes the deck a little bit more efficient so that you don't have to play dragon's fodder type of stuff or whatever. Yep. Like maybe that that sort of thing is good enough but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I haven't seen it yet if it's out there.
0: Uh, I guess I guess McVitie's list didn't even like resolute reinforcements is kind of a dragon fodder but is a good version of that at least. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe uh a better artifact producer too for your demolitions. Maybe that's sure. enough. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. Unlikely uh Omnath bring to light 47% no surprises there. Yeah. Uh, uh like this deck is is close but it's just missing so many beautiful things that that Modern has available to it that I do not think will be available in Pioneer, such as, you know, Fetchlands or Pitch Elementals. So I can't imagine what this deck would have to get uh, in order to, like, increase this matchup spread.
1: It's a good question. I think it will always be fine against mid-range decks, and therefore people will always play it because it's fun and does cool stuff. So but it, it'll probably stick around.
0: It's it's like an anti mid range deck that isn't just annihilating them like Fires or Azorius Lotus Field would. Yeah, you know?
1: you're you're not wrong. It's like I guess I guess what you are supposed to get for that is like less polarization in your non mid range. But I don't think you really get that. Like no, because there's
0: there's like a lot of mid forties and like
1: thirty
0: three percent against Grease Fang type of stuff going on here still. So yeah,
1: that's not good.
0: At that point, you might as well just play the Flyers deck. I agree. Uh then we have Is Creativity at forty five
1: point eight percent. Yeah, this this to me is like you know we talked about the shocks at the top of the table. This is kind of shocking result at the bottom of the table. I thought this deck was quite a bit better than this. Uh, I I still think something in this vein is good. I'm kind of just into the transmogrify decks now. Honestly, yeah. uh, I think that may just end up being a better version of these creativity decks, like. Uh, Jun, Transmogrify, was actually, if I was going to play what I wanted to play this weekend. And I don't know that I think it's the best deck. I think it might have been the best deck for me in terms of what it does, uh, in terms of how rusty I am at Magic, <laughs> in terms of just like what I'm capable of doing right now. I thought it could be a good choice for me. You're like, um, I, can, I can point and click at my treasure token. You correct, know? I understand how that works. But I, I think uh, maybe is it creativity it needs to go back to the drawing board a little bit and think about combining with some other decks, being replaced by some other decks for a little while. It just isn't finding good matchups, and I think the format has prepared... Like, this is another thousand matchup sample size. This, this is not... It's a big sample. Uh, yeah, this is not bad data. This is There's no good matchups out there against the top decks, and that's a real problem. So I, I do think it's time to go back to the drawing board for this deck.
0: Yeah, the only positive win rate here is 60% against Grease Fang, and then, I guess you know, beating up on the other category.
1: Yep. Not great.
0: I think holistically, this is kind of similar to Rakdos, where it's like, yeah, just go, go back to the drawing board because you started with this premise of, I will put, uh, Kyranos or not Kyranos, Xenagos and <laughs> close, uh, and World Spine worm into play and, and one shot you. Right. And I need hmm. that against, Certain matchups, maybe like Lotus Field and Mono Green, right? And I think that people have found that you don't necessarily need that against Mono Green, and Lotus Field is perpetually like a pretty small portion of the format, too. Yeah. So at that point, it's just like you're doing all this work to do like a World Spine Worm, which is just, you know, not good enough against many, many decks. So. Is you know like you said like maybe Transmog into Atraxa is just a, a better option against the majority of the format than a fifteen fifteen is.
1: I think so. I think right now it is, and that could always change. Uh, but I I would look to shelf the stock is it Creativity decks for a while.
0: I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with Rakdos. Like you were talking about maybe playing Jund Transmog, but there's also like the Grixis version that was floating around too, and. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that either of those decks looked particularly great or whatever, but it is something worth exploring if you were previously a forty five percent uh like Rakdos or Is It Gamer, you know. Correct. Correct. And then after Is It Creativity, you know, you know your deck is like doing bad when like these are the decks with the same win rate as you mono yes. black mid range, is it yep. Phoenix and Niv to Light.
1: Oh don't don't touch those decks with a ten foot pole. Not good choices.
0: Remember when Phoenix was busted and now there's yeah. like no one playing it and it's doing badly?
1: Do you remember when uh, Iteration was a card?
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: That is fair. <laughs> it makes a big difference.
0: It does,
1: but... I also think still. the is Phoenix decks started to be built very poorly for what it's worth. They all got away almost universally from Thing in the Ice. I and know. I that was a huge mistake. I know. They all got Ledger Shredder Fever for a little while.
0: Talking about uh, power spikes, man, what is a, a bigger power spike? Like, Thing in the Ice, not only as the the tempo tool, right, to to reset. Like, how good would Thing in the Ice be against, like, Boros Convoke or whatever?
1: Yeah, it's great. Whatever,
0: right. Card's um, great. But also just a clock against Lotus Field. Like, Thing in the Ice in Modern, for example, was one of your best cards against Tron.
1: Yep. If, if Thing in the Ice is not good, don't play this deck.
0: Right, because Shredder, even though it says discard a card on it somewhere, does not mean that it's good. And several of the cards in your deck are often, uh, several of the cards that say discard a card on them in your deck are the worst cards in your deck. Like the yes. the whole, like, you know, chart a core strategic planning slot or whatever. It's like, those are the cards that you just don't even want.
1: Right, you have to play those, you don't want to play them.
0: Yeah, so... The fact that Ledger Shredder is like, oh, it says, you know, discard a card on it. It's like, that doesn't make me want to play it, especially over Thing the Ice.
1: No. No, I think uh, a deck that needs to do some soul searching or maybe just go away. We all loved Phoenix, right? We all had our moments. We we, we lived it in Modern. Uh, we lived it in Pioneer. Some things just have to end. In Standard, I, I played uh, Standard Phoenix at one of the first tournaments It was legal uh, and, and loved it quite a bit there. Yeah, but, uh, I think time's running out on on Flappy Birds.
0: When when I played brain. Phoenix and liked it, I had like Manamorphos, things like <laughs> some
1: real cards, yeah,
0: yeah, things like uh, Lava Darts. Maybe, nah, I'm pretty sure Cataxion Probe was gone.
1: Faithless looting, it definitely had looting. That's a yeah. good one.
0: And then it was it was stuff like Aria Flame out of the sideboard, yeah, yeah,
1: you know, or just like. That was a good side
0: what, Whatever you're trying to do, you you can't beat this, you know. So I played Phoenix when it had a bunch of like busted stuff and that's when I liked it and I basically have not picked it up at any other point since then. And it's it's like it's in my wheelhouse. It should be right up my alley, right? But it just
1: Oh, me too. But I also like decks. It's not that the are same. Good. Like they got I mean kind of good. And they don't have to be great. I'll play bad decks, but like they have to have Reason to exist, and this deck does not right now. Yeah,
0: agreed. Yeah, another deck that could maybe benefit from uh, going back to the drawing board. And I don't know. Just a, a while ago, we we bought in wholesale to galvanic iteration, temporal trespass type of stuff, and I think that was good in certain matchups. But it yeah. is definitely one of the things that is less good in the face of actual interaction or. Uh, matchups where you don't necessarily need to race them you know for sure and i think that we could just be at a point now if there's like sacrifice and spirits and uh mono white humans or whatever where it's like yeah you just can do away with that be as lean as possible like have good interaction i feel like is it charm was a card that people refuse to play because it's Just inherently a pretty bad card. And I agree with that. But like it does say, discard a card on it and also counters spells some of the time and not
1: being able to play some small percentage of the time. Yeah,
0: you know, but like it it is something compared to nothing, which is what you normally get. Right. And there have been Phoenix lists before that are just like, oh, I just, I have to play like some Spell Pierce's main deck or whatever. And like that sucks because it just, it doesn't fit with the rest of your deck in the way that you want it to. Whereas Is a Charm is bad, but it it does kind of like bring all of that stuff together.
1: Yeah, I have probably been higher on Is a Charm throughout its history than I should have been, quite frankly. Um, But modality matters for a certain type of deck and Phoenix is is exactly the type of deck where it matters quite a bit. So I'm down with looking at it again. I agree it's a bad card, but that doesn't really matter. Like that's just not a useful assessment when it comes to magic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, is it charm always felt the worst to me playing it in like Jeskai flash kind mm-hmm. of stuff where you use that as a faithless looting and like being down a card just significantly hurts you. Uh like you you just like feel it. Yeah. Uh, but in in a deck like this in a format like Pioneer, you have Treasure Cruise in your deck like you don't care. Yeah,
1: you gotta it doesn't get some matter. Return return from that going down a card and this deck is capable of doing that.
0: Yeah. So think about think about stuff like that. Uh and then you know think about how you'll never play Niv to Light.
1: Yes. That is certain.
0: Other category performs better than Niv to Light and Phoenix.
1: Scary times.
0: So yeah, uh big, big mid-range decks. That's what I like. Lotus Field Maybe fires, but fires is probably pretty bad into Lotus Field. So yeah, it just looks like Azuris Lotus Field is is the big winner.
1: Cool to see. Love seeing a new deck come out of a weekend with uh you know high praise and potential to maybe become a mainstay of the format. Like I said, don't be shocked if you you see a forty seven percent win rate next time we look at one of these charts. That's kind of what I'm expecting, but uh, I I do think we can evolve past that point and we'll see some good finishes. For Missouri's Lotus Field in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, and we have more RCs coming up and everything. Uh, I, I also remembered what I wanted to talk about in the beginning.
1: Oh, okay, let's let's do that then.
0: We were supposed to check in on my historic experience.
1: Oh, that's right. You, uh, as a newly minted MPL player, are now back on the grind for arena points, and <laughs> you had a a big historic. Tournament this weekend. So please, full tournament report. Let's go. Uh
0: I, I played round one and lost. <laughs> okay. And that was it. That's, it it. Was, that's, all, that's all Okay. It was, well, it was the best three know. qualifier. Uh in theory, I suppose I could have joined another one, but I decided that I was against that and that I don't like historic very much.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you just cut your losses, bro. You're like, uh, you know, I tried. This isn't for me. Let's let's just move on.
0: Uh I gave it the old college try. Uh I played Last week I played Rakdos in best of one. That was a a horrible mistake. Uh, There were several other better best of one decks available to me. And then I thought that for best of three, Rakdos was actually good. And I I think that it was. And then I just lost a a Rakdos mirror where, you know, just opponent peeled up a burn spell the turn before I attack for lethal or whatever. And it's like, all right, that took 40 minutes of my life. I, I will never get that back. I'll never get that back. And I don't want to run the risk of it happening again. So.
1: Yep. That's that it. Sounds good.
0: Now I just have four crucius on my accounts and hopefully I never play with them again.
1: Maybe it will get banned. Do you get, do you get wild cards back if it gets banned? Probably.
0: Cause it's like an actual alchemy card.
1: Yeah, that's your best hope. Oh, but it won't change, right?
0: Since it's an alchemy card, they're just going to make it cost like seven mana instead. Yeah.
1: Ah, wow, what a beating! Oh, kiss those wild cards goodbye. Yeah, there's no hope.
0: There's no hope for that. But uh, apparently, I did get like rare wild cards, uh, and I still got to play with Fable. So,
1: okay, that's something
0: got that going for me. Yeah. So uh, when when are we going to play Diablo, man? What do you think?
1: Uh well, let's see. As usual, pretty busy. I leave for Auckland in a couple weeks.
0: Are you gone so for like will, six weeks again?
1: Uh, f- like four and a half weeks this go around. Okay. So that will also keep me busy. So I'm thinking I might be able to clear a little bit of calendar space sometime in 2024. But <laughs> don't hold me to that. <laughs> and we'll check in Dude, 2025.
0: Battlenet won't even be installed on my PC in 2024. <laughs> At least that's my hope, you know.
1: That'll be just in time for the DLC. Okay. And uh yeah. No, it's just hard like w- one of the big things that frustrates me about uh gaming is that if I am going to keep gaming as a part of my life with the way my schedule works, it's it's really got to just be like oh shit, I have 30 minutes of downtime. Let's jam something out. And that's I, not how do you conducive? even do that
0: in Diablo, though? Because it's like, some of the dungeons are longer than that. Okay, you know? got
1: it. Oh, you've upset my watch. Hold on.
0: No, you uh, did. Your watch can't hear me, alright? That's true.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, you know, I might get caught mid-dungeon and have to do something else, and I can, you know, find a safe corner to hide in and all tab out of dungeon for a little while, but Uh, for the most part, I actually think Diablo Diablo is a game that works pretty well in bite-sized chunks. Kind of like, it's not good for that multiplayer experience, but it is good for just like, Oh, I'll clear a quick dungeon on this break that I have right now.
0: Tell you what, whenever, whenever you pop on, whenever you decide to play, ping Mm. me and ask me if I am also playing. Okay. And then I will just like tag along with whatever you're doing.
1: Okay. Then we'll go and we'll, we'll kill demons together. Also, Am I the only one kind of rooting for the demons in this game? Like, they don't seem that bad. I know there's like a lot of murder and dismemberment, but like the not demons are also not great.
0: Yeah. I've, I've come across some unscrupu- <laughs> unscrupulous humans for yeah. sure. Um, everyone, I also, everyone seems the other kind thing, of
1: shit. Yeah. The other thing I, I hope like this is a dangerous conversation to have because I, I do see a way you can interpret my feelings on this. Uh, that just makes me look like a big asshole. So I'm hoping you have my back on this one. I also just hate all the like parent-child drama because all these parents chose to birth children into a world that is literally being ripped apart by hell on earth. And they're just like, yeah, I'll have a kid. And then they're like sad when something bad happens to their kid. It's like, no, you selfish prick. You knew this was gonna happen. There's literally a demon walking around outside while you're copulating with your wife. Like, where did you think this was gonna go?
0: Yeah, I don't know, but like the the world, I think, does a good job at mentioning, like, I haven't played any of the other Diablo games, right? So this is just from this game specifically, but they make a good point of showing uh, that they care for their dead and like the dead should be respected and everything.
1: I agree. So that so they do that. they, so, so they, have, they is... have not
0: lost that. You would think that in in a world where people are just getting murdered on the daily, like right in front of you, like being torn apart or whatever. Yeah, that it would desensitize you a little bit. but it like they still find a way to hold on to meaning in that and 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 care about it, which maybe is is silly given the reality, you know the nature of their situation or whatever.
1: Yeah, there's also some elements of like, if they have that relationship with death, do they just embrace death as a positive thing? And then like, yes, you have these, you birth these children into hell on earth, and like, there's a high chance they are probably going to die before their time. But like, that's the state of the world. And then they carry on. I guess they do have definitive proof of afterlife, right? So like, uh, maybe the consequences are a little bit lower at that point. If like, if you you're if you're
0: a demon, at least. And, yeah. Now, yeah, I, there's, I mean, there's like, like some stuff going on with like spirituality and whatever, but.
1: Right. And there's like that light dude on the other side with the glowing eyes who's like very obviously angel adjacent and he's real and like people see him. So. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing seems very complicated. And it, it all I'm thinking while I'm like having to watch a parent grieve in a cutscene over their child is I'm like, well, you kind of signed yourself up for that one. And. Uh, maybe that's a shitty attitude to have but I, I wish they made some more conscious decisions about the world they were bringing their kids into
0: i I did find it uh kind of fascinating where there was just like this moment where I was just like how did this NPC live to be like 50 years old
1: yeah it seems impossible yeah for a lot of these people
0: but for you know the the people who are creating children into this world and then getting sad when they get cut down at 20 or whatever and you saying like oh what did you expect it's just like well what are they supposed to do otherwise like the the world is in a shitty place like no one is going to save them uh except for you know maybe humans right so i feel Mm -hmm. like it is probably the correct thing to do to produce produce more humans but yeah, realistically, uh, you know, everyone just kind of dies.
1: Although now, the more we think about this, the more <laughs> I've seen similarities to our own lives. So maybe this is not the best topic. Yeah, to, if, you, if uh... you turned
0: on the news, I don't know, man. Yeah. I
1: think... yeah okay. I, I guess I get it then. Do what you want to do. Enjoy the afterlife. That's what I, I say. I,
0: I feel like the world of Diablo has a a problem where they're, are just not a lot of humans at all.
1: Mm. Definitely it, more like beasts and monsters than humans. unquestionable. That's what it seems like, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, at that point, like, you know, reproducing makes sense. But in our world, it is like the 1% that control the vast majority of resources. So then right. birthing more people into the 99% does not... You know, make a whole lot of sense. It is not great because it's just more people fighting for the same slice of the pie, right?
1: Right. To be exploited by that same one percentile.
0: Correct. So, you know, realistically, folks need to organize and whatnot. um, And it's not necessarily a a population problem; it's just an organization problem.
1: Hmm. So you're saying what Diablo needs is unions. Well, they, they probably need more people, and then. Then unions. And then unions or... Unionize against the demons, demand only sacrifices (laughs) on days where we're Fair
0: and equitable ritual sacrifices, yes. Yes,
1: that's That's... what we're all striving for in this system.
0: Anyway, dark game.
1: Yeah, it is pretty dark. I'll give it that. In
0: case case you're wondering if you should uh, play a game that is, you know, named after a demon and Mm. what the vibes are going to be like, you're like, oh, Yeah. yeah, quick vibe check on this game. Uh, yeah it's pretty dark honestly
1: yeah, a lot of murder sacrifice etc
0: whatever uh I just I don't know games have a weird way of like yeah I i go around and like do things and my number goes up and it I I just don't think about the specifics of it most of the time mm. until it's just like you know the storytelling is not bad and then i'm just like how is this person 50 in this world like it just doesn't make any sense right like yeah. i have i have like that moment and then i'm like ah never mind i'm just gonna turn that off and go back to just like number goes up mode and not pay yeah it's,
1: it's like watching wrestling basically where like oh this doesn't actually make sense whatsoever if you stop and think about it but eh, you could just enjoy it it's yeah. fun exactly video game
0: v- video game there we go <laughs>
1: Good luck.